Welcome to Movement this evening, to this part of the night where we listen and learn and reflect together um, and hear from Scripture and the Holy Spirit kind of makes it fresh kai for us to um, be fed with and to live the week out with. Um, just as Zoe mentioning, um, welcoming me up to the rug, just, I just have to share that um, uh, late last year we got the rugs cleaned um, and I, <laughs> I don't know if anyone's noticed, but um, the rugs have been going to camp and like just getting schlepped around and stuff. And so I was like um, emailing some like rug cleaning people and they were like, yeah, we can do like a low key head clean, like, um, like in your space or like if we need to, we can like take them to our space and like give them a bath pretty much, like deep clean. They're like, it depends, like, you know, often it's just fine in the space. Anyway, they came over like, these all of them need to have a bath, like, big bath for the rugs. So all the rugs are like bundled up and taken for like a big bath, which I just think is so cute. And then they came back and I was so impressed. They were like, oh, there was just a lot of crap that, that left. So um, thanks, rug clean people. It's fascinating. So many different things that people do with their time. Um, Alright, we've got a few different books up here. Um, this morning I had the joy of going up to um, Brooklyn Church and sharing with the crew up there, um, part of our Renew Fano. And I have to say that um, when I put these books on their stand, it like pretty much collapsed. So I'm feeling like we've got good integrity here um, at Blueprint. So, yeah, tonight I'm just feeling so silly, eh? I'm just like, <laughs> I'm just feeling chipper as. So um, we've got these books at the moment, The Good News of Jesus and the Gospel of Luke. If you would like one, um, if you don't have one, you're just super welcome to them. I've got a stack here and would honestly make my day if the stack was not here at the end of the night. Um, these are chunks of the book of Luke with some commentary um, from a guy called Craig Keener, kind of pulled out and sort of summarised to help, I guess, open our eyes to some new themes that we might not otherwise have known, um, to help us to reflect. And um, we've pulled these together um, so that we can journey with Jesus to the cross, um, we can do the Lent to Easter journey, and then the other side of the grave uh, where Jesus rises and then um, he ascends to heaven. So if um, you know, maybe you guys know all you need to know about that. But if you've got any questions about that or want to journey a bit deeper, these will um, be a resource for you. And we'd so love for people to um, have them. So I'm just going to leave them here and please um, help yourself to one. It's up online as well, but if you um, like to have a physical copy, yeah, we'd so love for you to have one. So in, in this book, it um, talks about how um, our theme for our themes for this year is a renewed community's family. Rongopai, uh, the good news in Aotearoa, knowing that story of the gospel here, um, of sharing, telling others about Jesus, and of experience of encountering the Holy Spirit. And so these are themes that we're going to like keep intentionally looking at throughout the course of this year. And the question that we have each week in this book is how might this passage be good news to someone you know? Last week, um, Daniel was up here and he was sharing from Luke 14. Um, and it was a, the story that Jesus tells about a banquet, a banquet feast. Who was here for that last week? There was definitely some crew. Um, what are some things that we remember? This is the recall part. Um, what are some things we remember from last week about the parable of the banquet? Daniel's like, what? 
what is last week? Go to the byways. Go to the byways, yep. Invite people in. Get all the people off the street. Yep. Blind people. Come to me. Down now. Yep. And they're coming here a better spot than the rich people. Yes. Yeah. Nice one. Yep, that's one thing. So good. Anyone else that's jogging some people's memory? Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Solid. (laughs) So good. All good. The reason I get us to remember is because um, we are journeying through Luke, so we're coming fresh from that story of Jesus telling a story of a great banquet uh, where people made a lot of like flat excuses about why they couldn't get along to the banquet. And so the king said, go out and just bring everybody, anybody, the people that never thought they'd be invited to anything, invite them in. And our story, we're in Luke chapter 15, kind of continues fresh on from that. And in uh, Luke chapter 15, we have these three beautiful stories where Jesus is like, I want to teach you something. He's like, I'm going to give you a story. And I just so love that about Jesus. He's not like, I'm going to give you facts. He's like, I'm going to give you a story. And in this chapter, we don't just have one story, but we have three stories where Jesus is pressing this point about how he has come as the Son of Man to seek and save the lost. In our three stories that we're going to explore all of tonight, we have the story of a shepherd who loses a sheep and goes out to find it. We have a story of a woman at home who loses a coin and she turns the house upside down to find it. And we have the story of a father who has two sons um, who he loses in a way and um, he longs to be kind of reconciled to them. Um, and he finds them. And so as we, um, I guess, get ready to, to listen to uh, the passage tonight, um, that's the, the big thing that we're sitting in. But I want to just share that this is um, kind of connecting this Luke journey to our, our themes this year. Luke is pulling together the stories of different people's encounters with Jesus. And he's put them into... Um, this, I guess, bigger story where he's stitching together different people's experiences of God, Jesus's sayings and teachings and stories, and he's bringing it into this bigger narrative to tell us something and to make some points. And the big, oh, I'm going to adjust my hands. Sorry, guys. The things that he's really trying to point to that get underscored all the way through Luke is of how Jesus is so interested in and invested in inviting those that people think shouldn't be invited to the table. In um, our story last week, it was around a parable, a story of a big, amazing banquet and who gets invited to that. And then today, our reading is around these stories of seeking and saving and finding lost things. But previously in Luke, we've seen um, uh, Jesus going to Levi's house in the fifth chapter, a story of a woman kind of busting in on a dinner party and wanting to bless and love Jesus. Um, That's in chapter seven. And then we have um, in 13 and 14, Jesus kind of talking about who's invited to the table. And so all throughout the story, Jesus has been challenging who's invited 
has been challenging uh, the religious leaders of the time who were really concerned about in-groups and out-groups and how to, I guess, uh, protect those in-groups. And he's speaking to them and he's challenging their ideas. And it's so beautiful. The trio of parables we're going to read tonight challenge the reader to think about who is ultimately acceptable to God. They not only justify Jesus' unconventional practice, but also um, in the person of the unbeaten older brother that we're going to read about later, they draw our attention to the danger of um, being opposed to our generous God and his graciousness. So there's a challenge that Jesus is giving when he tells these beautiful stories. They offer encouragement, but they bring challenge. And so, yeah, we're going to dig into them. So what uh, we're going to do is have... Oh, yeah, okay, actually, we'll go to the PowerPoint. And um, this is a foretaste. So we're going to bookend tonight's sermon with dog memes. Um, so <laughs> it's not morning, but how good. <laughs> so we've got um, the whole of chapter 15. Is going to be up on the screen, and if it's a meaningful way for you to follow along, I'd encourage you to, to look at the words. But if for you following along isn't going to work, um, looking with your eyes, just get comfortable and shut your eyes, and I'm going to read chapter 15 to us. Do what you need to do. tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear him. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. And then he calls his friends and his neighbours together and he says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Or... Suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Does she not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she will call her friends and her neighbours together and say, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of angels of God over one sinner who repents. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to the father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had and set off for a distant country. There he squandered his wealth 
and wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine. And it occurred throughout the country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country. That man sent him into the field to feed the pigs. How he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one would give him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare, and here I am starving to death? What am I doing? I will set out and go back to my father. And I'll say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me one of your hired men. And so he got up and he went. He set off to return to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. And filled with compassion for him, he ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And so they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older brother was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard the music and he saw the dancing. And so he called out to one of the servants and asked him, what's going on? And he said, your brother has come. Your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in to the party. So the father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and, you never, and I never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes back, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Wow. And so these are probably some of the most beautiful stories I think that Jesus tells. And really we could just read them and leave it there. But I wanna give you guys a few more things just to um, help notice and help kind of take from these. So in our three stories, first of all, we have one thing lost from 100, one thing lost from 10, and then one thing lost from two. And so there's this kind of crescendo in the story of kind of, um, and I guess moving to this 
very detailed, relational, kind of intense story of longing for a lost son to be found. But what all the stories show, what they remind us of, is that something is only lost if it's of worth and if it belongs to someone. If, um, and I think that what they encourage us to see is the intensity and the, the love and the persistence of our God to seek out God's children. So in that first story, something to consider is that to have a flock of 100 sheep is like quite a big flock of sheep. And this time, to have 100 sheep probably meant you had one or maybe even two people helping you to shepherd that flock. That might be a family member um, or like an assistant shepherd. Um, and people would be with the sheep to um, ensure that they didn't kind of get lost. This is like a family's livelihood. But when one of them gets lost, it's the owner of the sheep that goes to fetch the lost one. And Jesus is saying something about the nature of who God is, that God as the, um, the one who creates and cares for the world, risks his, himself and goes out to seek that lost sheep. Jesus and God are kind of understood better. Uh, it's not like, oh, we'll get somebody else to do it or there'll be another way. It's like the, the owner of the sheep goes out to the sheep to search himself. Jesus says, this is my mission to seek and save the lost. The second is a scenario that maybe women could relate to a bit more. Um, you didn't really have female shepherds. So Jesus tells a story of a woman in her home. Um, the type of coin that is referred to here as a drachma, which um, would have been the equivalent of like a day's wage. And so this woman has 10 coins saved up. And for a peasant household at that time, to lose a whole day's wage would have been quite a big deal. Like this is a significant, important thing to recover. And so she persistently puts on the lamp, lights the little fire, carries it around with her. You can imagine like in the dark, holding a little lamp fire thing, sweeping and searching the house down for this lost thing. And when um, I read these passages, I deeply related with this, with this one. I don't know if you guys have ever lost anything. Um, I don't know if, if you've had that sense of like, where is this thing? And the kind of sense of like, I need to turn this space upside down to find it. And how... It's kind of about the lost thing, but it, it's kind of about your quest as well. It's like, I need to find this thing. Like, this needs to come back to me. The, the most intense version of um, this that I've recently experienced was last year when I um, had COVID and was isolating at home. I lost my car key. And it was, like, very bizarre because I hadn't left the house and the car hadn't gone anywhere. So I was like, the key must be here. And it was like the most crazy experience to be like looking in all the conventional places and then looking in all the like not that conventional places and it still wasn't there. And then all the like, you're just opening the pots and pans out. You're like, is it in the microwave? Like, is it like, is it kind of like open the flower? Like, where is it? Like searching for the key. And um, where, where was it? It had somehow um, got like a slat bed and had like got down underneath the mattress and in between like the slats of the bed. Like I was like pulling up the mattress to like find the key. Like it was so crazy. But the joy I had at finding the key 
like was so immense. A lot of people heard about this like thing, but I was crazed. Like I had to find the key. And so, yeah, just this sense of how, um, you know, like the key was important to find, but it wouldn't have been the end of the world. But this third story, um, it's often talked about as the story of the prodigal son. Um, two other names for it that people give it is the, to- the story of two lost sons. The lost son um, who was found and the lost son who was kept. And that sense of, um, yeah, the one that ran away and the one that stayed, but um, yeah, was, was lost in his own way. Another title for the story that somebody else gives it is the story of the waiting father. That in this story, we, we read that while the son was still a long way off, the father saw him and came out to meet him. I don't know about you guys, but I do not see things a long way off unless I'm looking. And so we have this, you can imagine, like day in, day out, this father looking out on the horizon, hoping like maybe today's the day that he's going to come home. Even though um, his boy had offended him so deeply and done, um, you you guys possibly have heard this before, but to, to say like, I want my inheritance now is kind of to wish your parent dead, to say like, give me the money I'd have when you die. I can't be bothered waiting. I just want to take it now and go and do my own thing. And so he's um, like brought a lot of shame on his family through that action. Um, and he's disrespected deeply his father and the brother, who we see is like still pretty salty. And he goes off to do his own thing and he ends up working with the pigs and for, um, like for Jews to be like interacting with pigs is like a big like no deal. That's like... Um, he's clearly in like the most like destitute, down and out situation to be like ending up there. And he comes from that situation and he, he thinks to himself, and I can relate to this, that like when you've done something wrong, um, when you've hurt somebody, or you just get the sense of like, I think someone's mad at me, um, I find myself thinking like, how can I kind of make my way back to this? How can I do something to make myself more lovable or to like reparate the situation? Um, and we see that with the son. He's like, okay, I know I've totally like squandered the possibility of being considered a son. That's not going to happen. But I'll just rock up and like, surely like maybe he'll have some compassion and I'll at least get to like work on the farm and then I'll be able to like regularly have food and. But I probably won't be able to be a son, like, that's not going to happen, but I'll just go back and plead for even, like, something. So he goes back with a plan for kind of how he thinks he could kind of earn an appropriate place back in this village, back with his family. And yet that's not what we see from the father. He's, like, so lavish to him, runs out to meet him. And that running out to meet him... And the announcement that he's back and the announcement, let's come and celebrate, is a way of um, proclaiming not just to the son, like, you're back, you're mine, I honour you as my beloved child, but to the whole village, that there's a sense of, like, it actually was probably unsafe for him to come back as this um, man that has dishonoured this family in the village. And so the father does this public announcement of, like, he is reconciled to me, like, this is my son, at the cost of 
what everybody else in the village thinks, um, but reinstates him. And then we have this, um, like the father, right, man, he's having a big day. Like, the party's happening, his beloved son is back, and then the other son comes in and he's too salty to go into the party. And so he's like, I'm going to go out to him as well. And we see um, from this son, he, he says to the father, he was like, this son of yours is back. Like, he doesn't say, my brother. He's, like, distancing himself. Like, there is, like, a big relational chasm to be, like, mended between those two. He's like, this son of yours? And the father is like, your brother is back. We had to celebrate. Like, join with me in this joy. Don't, like, join with me in this forgiveness and this freedom to just to have him back and to rejoice over him. And that is challenging, man, because he's hurt. He's probably the one that's been hearing all about it from the people in the village. But this is the stories that Jesus tells of what God is like and who he is. And he tells it to some people in the room who could really relate with being the younger brother and could really relate with being the older brother. And so there are just two things um, that I want to kind of finish with. One is the strong theme of celebration at the end of each of these. First one, sheep is lost. Come back. Friends, neighbours, let's party. My sheep's back. So happy. Second one, coin. Sweep the house, sweep the house. Found the coin. Let's party. Friends, neighbours, I found my coin. Third one, my son is back. Let's party. Calf on the spit. Robe on the sun. Like, let's go. Dancing, music, joy and celebration. And not just, this isn't just in the story. Jesus says at the end of each of the stories, in heaven there is joy, there is celebration. When even one person has a change of heart and turns towards God. Repentance to have a change of heart and to turn where you're going towards God. There is deep joy and God says, Jesus says, God isn't one that holds a grudge. God rejoices when God's children come in honesty before him. And so I've been thinking about, I um, sent this message to Flora and to Cat Webb and to Sophie Wright, and then to my friend Jay, who some of you will know, not Jay that goes here, another Jay, um, and I was like, hit me with your best dog memes. Because I was thinking about like, what is the picture that I can have of just uncontained, just silly joy that doesn't make sense? And I was thinking, dogs. <laughs> I was thinking about how dogs, weirdly get the zoomies at random time and they are just hyped up, they're just here for it and they're like, I just want to play, let's go, get on my level. Or when um, like you see a dog and you haven't like seen that dog for ages but it's just happy to see you. It's not like, where were you for the last five months? It's like, yo, you're here, I'm so happy. Um, or it's like they haven't even had their biscuits but they're still happy to see you. And so I hope that for each of you this week, there will be a moment where you will see a little sparrow having a dust bath or a baby cracking up at something 
or a dog going for a walk down the street or just something that gives you a picture and a reminder of the joy of heaven and the immenseness of that being the nature of who our God is and the heart that God has towards each of you and to each person that's not in this room. But to give us something to go with, I was sent a lot of dog memes by those people. <laughs> you, might, you might imagine. Most of them are relevant to this but um, we're just going to share in some now just to capture some of that joy. Um, so this one, <laughs> we open a bag of snack. Okay, I'm my dog. This is the persistent nature of the father. Like, you know, it's like, my son's coming, I'm there. The second one, someone knocks on the door. <laughs> I'm there for it, I'm there for it. The next one, this is the dog having the zoomies with the leaves. <laughs> so cute. This one, I think Petra's just been watching the whole time during my sermon. Bit of a link. Don't throw look away. This one's going to be quite small for this experiment. And so we're going to come back to that question from um, the start. How might this passage be good news to you, to someone you know? And I'm going to invite you guys to turn to the people around you and just, just share for a bit. <laughs>